When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. Here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if it sounds good to you, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. And subscribe, rate, review, yada, yada. You know what to do. And the new episodes drop there every single Monday morning. Well, except for last week. We'll talk about that in a second. And so, you can do all of that and follow us on social media at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, then Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National and A to Z Sports Natural.com to see all of the frankly depressing things that Zach has to write right now. Um, because Tennessee football. Isn't that fun? Let's just get right to it. Zach, since we talked last, last week, uh, both you and I uh, just ended up, we, we couldn't make things work to record the podcast. And, and I'll just say this. I was in Nashville. I, my wife and I's anniversary uh, fell literally like the week that everything got shut down back in March or, or in April. Um, whenever, I don't know, whenever it was. Time's a flat circle at this point. Um and so we didn't get to go on like an annual anniversary trip. And we kind of did that this past weekend. Went to Nashville. Had a great time. Had a beautiful dinner with a beautiful wife. And let me just say, Tennessee football's, uh, the game that was supposed to happen against Texas A&M obviously didn't happen. Had a great time. Didn't have to think about this nonsense. And it kind of made me reevaluate. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> Watching this every single week. Last night, Auburn, Tennessee on the plains, 10-10 at halftime. Tennessee looks half competent or Auburn is looking terrible. Take your pick. And yet again, Tennessee loses by double digits for the Fifth straight time. Five straight weeks of double-digit losses. Here we are. Let, where do we even start, Zach? What are your thoughts? Uh, last night was... I've been writing about Tennessee football for a long time, and last night was the first time that it felt like this is legitimately a job that I wish I just didn't have to do right now. I was ready to just go to sleep. The game, it was boring to watch. I knew what was going to happen. Auburn wasn't even playing that well, in my opinion. I felt like Tennessee, a competent team, wins that game pretty easy last night. It was just, it was brutal to watch. It was, it was exhausting to watch. I was literally tired just from watching Tennessee's offense. Here's some of the fascinating things that happened in last night's game. Tennessee 
had almost 500 yards of offense. What is it? Am I, if I'm looking at it correctly, 464 yards of offense. That's more than Auburn by a decent little margin. Um, Eric Gray was phenomenal. The kid was great. And we're at Lennon Isle just up front. We usually do the grades for the team, uh, and they we grade their performance. What's the point? Eric Gray was awesome. Ty Chandler looked pretty good. Um, everybody else, mm-mm. It's done. <laughs> I mean, what do you even say? Um, it's not good. You lost by double digits, okay? So we're just going to skip that this week and really talk about the situa- situation at large uh, is probably the best way to go about this. But you have more yards, and somehow you look completely incompetent out there. And at this point, I kind of go, what are we doing with this? What? There's too much, too many moving parts here to assess. Like, I don't think that it's just one thing that you can zoom in on. I, there's about a hundred different things that you could touch on. They're going awry here. <clears throat> but what? Wh- where does Tennessee go? Because you, we all feared it. But I think your your tough situ- tough situation, your tough questions are coming. Let's just get it right out there. Yeah, I feel like it's. It's really tougher than I thought it was going to be, or clearer really than I thought it was going to be with with Pruitt at this point because early season struggles, you kind of put it all on the quarterback. And that is the bulk of the problem, Jared Garantano. But it's so much more than that. I mean, you saw it on busted coverages last night. That play, there's no more, there's no, not a Tennessee defender anywhere, even in the frame. And then the tackling is still horrible. I mean, Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor at times look like the only guys that want to tackle. Jeremy Bates is clueless at linebacker. Corvarius Crouch is not much better at linebacker. I mean, I feel like both of those guys are running backs that Tennessee's trying to make into starting running uh, starting linebackers and it's it's a disaster. Jeremy Pruitt is supposed to be a defensive coach and the defense has just looked worse as the since the first half of the Georgia game, the defense has regressed, and that's a major issue. I mean, you have some anomalies here that are actually, like, hard to do, I think, to some extent. Yeah, Tennessee's playing a lot of young guys. That's absolutely true. It's kind of the nature of rebuild with Pruitt. But a lot of these young guys are talented, and they came in with with big ratings and big hype. And some of them have looked good. But usually when you put young guys out there, they get better over the course of time. It's like, you know, everybody always says that about like Kentucky basketball every year. They start five freshmen and then you go, well, by the end of the season, they'll be the best team in America. Everybody says that about Kentucky every year. They never are the best team in America. Don't kid yourself anyway. But they do get better. These guys aren't getting better. How is this possible? Seriously, <laughs> how, is, how is it possible that it, they, they like, look this bad this far in? It's a lot like what Tennessee just finished with Butch Jones. I mean, his biggest issue was not developing young, talented players, and Jeremy Pruitt is going down the same path. 
I fully expect some of these guys to end up in the NFL as undrafted free agents, and we're doing the same thing that we do with with Alvin Kamara and and some of these other guys that played under Butch to end up having great NFL careers. I think we're going to see the same thing. It's like how how did Pruitt not develop these guys because they're not. I mean, there's nobody on this team that from the start of the season that besides maybe Eric Gray that looks better, and that's that's hard to do with that much talent. It's not like Tennessee's yeah. been reeling in top five classes, but they're still top 25 classes. Tennessee has top 25 talent. They should be a 20th ranked team in the country, somewhere in that range right now. There's no excuse for them not to be. Absolutely. Well, and <laughs> This is probably a real Tennessee Homer thing to say. Uh, and granted, you know, I'm a lifelong Knoxville resident. I am a graduate of the University of Tennessee is what it is, okay? Um, if you want objective journalism, go over and, you know, listen to the guys at the Knoxville Sentinel or whatever. Torture yourself that way. Uh, but the only coach that seems to be really coaching his guys up is T. Martin. Well, it's a T. T. Martin and Jay Graham, both Tennessee alumni, both guys who had really good experience in the past before they came in at the the stuff that they are currently doing. And so you have, you know, a, a running back, and it's I guess I would specifically say Jay Graham and the running backs have looked exceptional. Eric Gray. And then and then receiving. Jalen Hyatt has has really emerged. Bayless Jones Jr. has made some nice plays. Obviously, Josh Palmer has is kind of leader of that unit. Ramel Keaton's made some nice plays. Like th- those, neither of those units are, are a problem at all. And so I look at this and I say, should T have been the coach? Because that that was the talk. That was the talk all that time leading up. Like, why don't we give T a chance? Why don't we give T a chance? Why don't we give T a chance when you know when right after uh, Butch got fired? Because frankly, he's coaching one of the only positions on the field that actually looks good, and he was an offensive coordinator for a time. And like I said, it's a total homer take. T. Martin, one of the greats at Tennessee, but like, you know, there's something going on there. The fact that they're they're the only two units that look good right now. What's why is that? You know, at so, this point, what's it hurt to uh, to go down that road and try? Because nothing else seems to be working for Tennessee, and I'm sure we'll get into coaching potential coaching search as the uh, offseason wears on, because I don't think this is going away anytime soon. But Tennessee fans are going to go through this whole spill of this is the guy, Hugh Freeze or Urban Meyer, whoever. It's never happened before for Tennessee and all these coaching searches. We've seen it's been like the fourth or fifth coaching search we've seen in the last 10 years. What do we think is going to be any different? It's going to be a whole bunch of crazy rumors that will be fun to keep up with, and then Tennessee will hire somebody that, you probably hadn't heard of before this season and you know it's gonna be the same thing in a few years unless they happen to hit on a guy and that hasn't happened yet so I mean I'd be willing to to give T Martin a shot if Pruitt somehow gets fired before the end of the year which I really don't think is going to happen you might as well as make him the interim and see what happens it's honestly at this point it's Probably what I I would do, and I know I'm reactionary. There's a reason I'm not the AD, but and and let's let's mention F- Philip Fulmer. He did announce this week that he he has uh, contracted the coronavirus. Um, he's at the time that he uh, made that announcement, he said that he had no symptoms, but 
obviously thoughts and prayers uh, out out to uh, F- uh, Coach Fulmer or AD Fulmer now. Um, hope that uh, he he makes it through just fine. Sure he will. But as far as this conversation goes, I mean, I couldn't agree more with your assessment there. Tennessee, this is a I. This is a rough thing to say, and I texted this to a friend this week, and after I texted, I was like, man, that's harsh, but it's this is true. Tennessee has more of a tradition at this point <clears throat> of giving extensions to coaches who don't deserve it than they do of winning football games. You know, Butch got that extension. Pruitt gets this extension. They both stink pretty soon afterwards. Like, Tennessee has more of a tradition of giving out undue extension and raises than they do of winning football games. That's where we're at. That is where we're at. And, and we've already talked about, because of the administration, the total incompetence, and this goes back way before Vollmer, I mean, all the way back, specifically with Hamilton uh, in, in the late 2000s. Uh, you know, it's an endemic, systemic problem with the AD at Tennessee, where they've just made incompetent move after incompetent move after incompetent move. And then, you know, suddenly you you do have, and I don't think that this is a coincidence at all, uh, Rick Barnes, a consummate winner, a proven winner, he falls into Tennessee's lap, frankly. I mean, it, it was so much of a given that, you know, it, it could have jumped up and slapped Hart in the face. Um, I mean, it basically did. And so he hired Rick Barnes in this serendipitous way, sort of. And it's working out. Oh, they, they hired a proven winner. What a coincidence that he wins, that a proven winner wins. Wow, <laughs> what a concept. That's, I mean, it's not a coincidence. And Tennessee, as far as football goes, just has a history. So, I mean, so, sometimes you hire a guy like Bruce Pearl from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who's kind of... He's been good, made an NCAA tournament, and just turns out to be one of the best coaches in program history. Sometimes that does happen. That's absolutely true. But Tennessee, with football, has made hires like that constantly, and they just don't work out. And it's because they just want to go bargain bin. They don't want to truly commit to winning like some of these programs have. Texas A&M throwing out, Lord knows, what is it, $75 million? To a guy who won a national championship, and they are five and one and second in the SEC West. You know, it's not a coincidence. And and here is here is Tennessee, incompetency after incompetency, and now you've lost five straight by double digits. It's frustrating too because not only is Tennessee not willing to to pay a coach that's a proven winner. Other programs somehow do find these kind of under the radar guys, and they turn out to be decent. Um, you look at the top 25 right now, uh, or the top 25 from this past week, and you got teams like Cincinnati and Indiana, uh, Miami, who's been kind of similar to Tennessee over the years. All these teams in the top 15, Marshall, Iowa State, these programs find a way. They're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. And Tennessee fans need to give up on that dream of happening because you just want to get to win in nine or ten games a year at this point. Don't don't even think about a national championship until you can, you know, put a few winning seasons together. But these programs find a way to find success. And Tennessee is, I mean, there's not a program worse than Tennessee right now with the resources they have, 
it's it's mind-boggling. I don't understand how they could screw it up this long for this this many years. I mean, I know programs can get down on their luck. It, it's the way college sports works. But twelve years, thirteen years, fifteen years, it's there's no. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too doomsday. But there's just no reason to expect it to ever change. And this might be the one time that Tennessee fires a coach that I have no sense of of hope. Because every other time, when Dooley was fired, when Butch was fired, there was just hope of, you know, this this could be when it all turns around, and I don't feel that at all if, if Pruitt gets fired. No, not even a little bit. Because at a certain point, you just go, I, I have to see it to believe it. That That's the mode that I'm in. Uh, and I, I know that's the excuse that everybody always says, like, oh, well, if you fire Pruitt, who are you going to get? I agree. Yeah. Who are you oh, gonna yeah. get? The, the AD is incompetent. Also, Pruitt stinks. <laughs> and it's not good. You're, pro- you're probably gonna lose to Vanderbilt. Can we say that? Vanderbilt yeah. scored 17 points against Florida and had a lead for a time in that game. You're probably gonna lose. Like, come on. That's why yesterday, yesterday, day before yesterday, I kind of wrote the one way that Pruitt can kind of ease ease the you know coolest seat off here is to just roll with Harrison Bailey if you finish two and eight at least you've started the guy that everybody wanted to see play you've moved on from Garantano if you stick with him and lose to Vanderbilt you're done I mean there's no way that you can recover from that at all that is dumbfounding and and let's I guess we can just move into some of the comments that Pruitt made last oh. night that are kind of stirring <sighs> stirring people up including us mm-hmm um, specifically about that situation. Obviously, our our take is, I, I believe, um, that just roll with Harrison Bailey, and you're going to get a lot more slack from people by just rolling with the future, your future guy. You, he, he was a, a four or five star kid, one of the top pro style quarterbacks in America coming in. Like people will understand. They'll be like, okay, he's young, he's getting, a, he's learning the game, learning the speed of the game. It's okay, <laughs> but with a fifth year guy. And you're still getting shellacked by double digits five weeks in a row. You're not going to get any mercy. And so it's a dumbfounding situation. But last night, uh, he he was asked. Pruitt was asked post game. Uh, this I'll just read this straight up. This is from Vols Wire. Our friend uh, Dan Harrelson. He said, following the game, third year head coach Jeremy Pruitt discussed if Garantano gives Tennessee the best chance to win. Quote: Absolutely. If I didn't, I wouldn't play him. I mean, guys, he didn't miss two field goals. He didn't blow a coverage. There's lots of things. Did he make a mistake? Oh, he made a mistake. Absolutely. I made mistakes in the game. Okay. So the bottom line is, guys, we all have to execute a little a little bit better to be productive so we can score more points on Saturday than the other team does. Dude, what? You got to be kidding me with that. It's you got to be kidding me. That's awful. I mean, Garantano did hit a defensive back in stride who who then went for 100 yards. He consistently overthrew receivers. He threw behind receivers. I mean, Romeo Keaton has a, a wide open and the ball's behind him. He, he drops it. You can say, yeah, it hits the receiver in the hands, but it also is behind him. I mean, we've seen too much of that. How I don't see how Pruitt can, can feel that way. He's so defensive of Garantano it is 
I can't figure out the reason. I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. I don't really have any good ones here, but it, it does certainly seem like there's some reason that he is overly defensive of Garantano. I've never seen a coach protect a terrible quarterback who, you know, I think, I think I saw the stat that he's 12 and 20 as Tennessee starting quarterback, 20 losses or no, maybe that wasn't the right win amount, but he, he has 20 losses and no other starter had, had more than 12 losses or something like that. It's wow. It's awful. I, I don't get it. I mean, yeah, the, the running joke is that, that like Jared has like compromising photos of Pruitt or something. Like he has a blackmail. I mean, it really is. And, and again, I have to say this every time we talk about Jared Garantano. I feel bad for that kid. He's taken an absolute beating at Tennessee, stayed at Tennessee, stayed loyal to Tennessee. And and he just go he like the bottom line is that he's just not good. Yeah, he's just not good. As and a person, okay. as a person, I think he's yeah. a great kid. I, I I respect him for the way he plays and, and gets out there and takes the beatings that he has and and the way he stayed at Tennessee. I think he cares a lot about Tennessee, and I'm sure that he wants to go on the field and prove everybody wrong every single week. Nobody wants to succeed more than Jarrett Garantano wants to succeed. It's just. Like you said, he's just not a good quarterback. He's not a starting SEC quarterback. And he shouldn't continue to be charted out there by Jeremy Pruitt, especially when I think there's better option on the bench in Harrison Bailey who comes into a game. Yeah, he looks like a true freshman. You can tell that. But he also, you can pretty much immediately tell he has better field awareness. He's able to step up in the pocket. He's able to take off, pick up a few yards with his legs when he has to. He throws the ball down the field. He hits receivers where he's supposed to hit them. He's not Trevor Lawrence out there yet. I don't. Hopefully, he can be. But but he just looks more comfortable on the field than a redshirt senior quarterback. And I mean, that's all I really need to see. There was a really simple moment, and it wasn't a good moment last night, but it was pretty telling to me personally. He got st- Harrison Bailey. He went in in garbage time in this game, uh, and he got sacked on this play. He just got overwhelmed. He had a lot of time to throw the ball, but as he was getting overwhelmed, kind of on all sides, he stepped up into the pocket mm-hmm. and continued to look for a pass. And I was like, "Ah, that's a sign of a real quarterback. Look at that. He knows what to do in that situation." Now he should have thrown it away. Granted, <laughs> again, he's young. He should have just thrown the ball away. But he stepped up into the pocket and continued to look for a pass. And I was like, ow, that's what a real quarterback does. Look at that. Look at him doing things. (laughs) And then the opposite of that is Garantano just before halftime when whatever Tennessee was doing there before halftime, they had no clear plan of are we going to try to throw a Hail Mary? Are we trying to pick up some yards and maybe get a field goal attempt? I don't know. Pruitt probably doesn't even know. But Garantano there with, I don't know, what, seven, eight seconds left on the clock, he could run out of bounds. Two seconds left on the clock, throw a Hail Mary to the end zone, see what happens. Instead, he just goes down the middle of the field, clock runs out, let's go to the locker room. Like, Why are you even pushing the ball up the field if that's what you're going to do? I was watching the game with my father-in-law. He's, he rightfully probably thinks I'm a loon. Um, he's not like a lifelong Tennessee fan or anything. They're not from Tennessee. <laughs> and, I mean, I was beside myself watching that whole series of events. And I, I mean, I don't know exactly what I said after we ran the clock out, but I was just like, 
What even was that? What did I just watch? That whole sequence of, of events. Because that <laughs> starting starting that drive, you had, I mean, what? It was under a minute, I think. Yeah. But you started out just handing the ball off, which is, what are you even doing? You're trying to run the clock out, but Auburn had timeouts, so they call a timeout and because they want to be aggressive and get the ball back, as a good football team does, um, even though it was under a minute. And Pruitt's like trying to run the clock out by just running the ball. Well, Auburn calls a timeout. Now, some because Eric Gray is good, Tennessee gets the first down. And so Auburn is not going to stop the clock anymore. And then just kind of out of out of the blue, uh, they're, they're still, I believe, didn't they hand the ball off maybe an additional time, even after that, where I was like, what are you doing? And then suddenly they're like, oh, well, we're actually moving the ball downfield a little bit. Look at this. Oh, and we're going to throw it now. Now we're going to try. We're going to try. Maybe we can get into field goal position. But then it was already too late. It was too late to really do that. And then the top, the topper on all that was what you said, Jared, just running down the middle of the field and running the clock out. And I just, ah, I just, I I don't know. I, it's so ridiculous. I feel like Pruitt is really coaching for his job and it's evident. And I had a kind of a back and forth with Joe Retsrode that uh, covers Tennessee sports for the athletic last night on Twitter and he's kind of like, you got to start JG because, or Pruitt has to start JG because he thinks that's the best option to win. And right now, any win is a chance that he gets to keep his job. And, you know, I've told you my viewpoint on on starting Bailey and the kind of the rope that that would give Jeremy Pruitt there. But you you can't, I don't know. It, it's It's still frustrating to me. I can't even... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't agree. I, I like Joe Rexrod a, a lot. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a really great guy. But, like, no. But <laughs> no, Joe. <laughs> Pruitt is – That's uh-huh. If you go back to the beginning of his coaching tenure at Tennessee, he was much more aggressive, I feel like. And now you see yeah. the way he's coaching right there before the half, his decisions. He doesn't really know what to do. He's coaching not to lose. A lot like what we saw from Butch Jones in 2015 and 2016. He's coaching to – afraid to lose and and maybe he's always done that a little bit because we've constantly heard this Garantano doesn't turn the ball over which is not true anymore because he's he's doing that much more often than he's throwing touchdown passes but everything in Pruitt's approach is not to lose and that first year when he knew that he had that kind of honeymoon period he was much more aggressive we just saw him take chances on fourth down more often we saw him just a more aggressive coach which is what Tennessee thought they were getting when they hired Pruitt and it's just that's completely gone now from Pruitt. And it's just a he doesn't know how to coach this way. That's not the way he was a defensive coordinator. He was always an aggressive defensive coordinator. This doesn't come natural to him, I know, but it feels like he is either scared of losing his job or wants to lose his job. I don't know at this point. I, I tweeted that out last night. It it legitimately seems like sometimes he doesn't want this anymore he's just phoning phoning it in to some extent it's well and it's either one of two things it's it's like he's phoning it in or these are just the actions of somebody who's getting backed into a corner and he is and he knows it and he should know it it's sec football you don't get to lose a you don't get to have the worst season in program history and and survive i mean you don't and that's what is unfolding 
I mean, especially, and look, I said it earlier, I do think Tennessee will probably be Vanderbilt next week, but you're, that's not a short thing. Ken Seals is the real deal for Vandy, um, and that's certainly not a short thing. But a lot of this, just to me, it, it seems like the actions of a guy who's getting backed into a corner, and he's kind of flailing around. And I, we can add an, another quote that he talked about that really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, personally, I think a lot of other people too. Um, was well, oh, sorry, th- this is all all in the same quote. Another element of the quote that we talked about was uh, that he said, "Absolutely, Jarrett gives us the best chance to win." But then he said, uh, "Jarrett didn't miss two field goals. He didn't blow a coverage. You're throwing guys under the bus." Before you're blaming yourself. That's that's what an excuse maker and someone who is failing at their job does. You got to go, oh, well, Jarrett's the right choice. And I he didn't miss the field goals out there. Like, dude, if I was Brent Samagli and I, I read that, I'm, I'm in the transfer portal right now. That's ridiculous. You're throwing guys under the bus before you're blaming yourself. Before you're saying, I made the wrong decisions. Before you're... Again, just the complete perplexing Jared Garantano situation before you criticize Jared Garantano. Before you just say Jared kind of stinks. <laughs> He's throwing other dudes under the bus before he even just says that. I've never seen him say that. It's so... oh, It's just exasperating in, in every single way. And those and still I, weren't even the worst quotes to me. I mean, that was bad. Well, I kind of expected that quote from Pru. When he said that, it wasn't shocking at all. It was like, well, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is how you feel. This is what you continue to do. Of course, that's how you feel. I thought, and I tweeted this last night, I thought we saw a little bit of Derek Dooley and a little bit of Butch Jones in uh, in Jeremy Pruitt last night, and that's definitely not either You know, coach that you want to sound like. The first was when Pruitt was asked by, I think it was Trey Wallace from uh, Fox Sports Knoxville, what what he would have to say to the fans that are questioning the direction of the program. A very legitimate question, I feel like, because, look, it's all about the fans. Those are the ones in a normal season. Those are the ones paying admission. Those are the ones buying merchandise. Those are the ones, you know, financing your ability to be the head coach here. I just said a good question. Pruitt's response, not so good. He said, that ain't my job, guys. My job is to coach. If you want to ask me a football question, go ahead. That is a football question. This That's what matters, the direction of the program. Nothing matters more than that. And when you're on the verge of finishing 2-8, and eight, maybe 3-7, and seven, after an 8-5 and five year, fans want to know, is this thing heading in the right way? What, is, what are you seeing that makes you think it's heading in the right way? What are you seeing – that makes make, should make fans feel comfortable supporting a program that's losing by double digits every week. I forgot. I, I actually had that clip. I I believe this is it right here. If I have it, this is that question and Pruitt's answer. Let's coach. What would you say to any fans or any other reservers who are starting to have questions on the progression and direction of this program? It ain't my job, guys. My job's to coach. Okay. Uh, if you want to ask me a football question, ask me a football question. He's, I mean, he's just tired. He's just, and he doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't know what to say in, in that situation. It's, it's the wrong thing to say in the wrong way. You're absolutely right. It is a football, that is a football question. It's all tied together. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I didn't see anything. these people pay your bills. I mean, I mean, I've heard plenty of questions over the years that were out of place or, or, 
I could understand why a coach got frustrated, but that right there is just a really it, it should be a layup question for Pruitt because he doesn't have to give anything substantial. He's not. He could he could spout off something of I see the work these guys put in during the week. I see the way they practice. I see the intensity they bring every week and how bought in they are. That's all you got to say. Even if you don't believe it, you say that you move on, but now you've made it a story by not answering it or answering it in that, in that way. The other quote where he sounded like Butch Jones was the one about Brian Maurer, where he said he, uh, he said he texted, you know, Brian Maurer was not one of the three quarterbacks that made the trip last night, which I believe the last road game Tennessee played was that the Arkansas game. I think yes. Uh, yep. Shrout was the third quarterback that didn't make the trip. So again, you've kind of got this weird thing with the quarterbacks going on, where there is no clear depth chart uh, behind Jared Garantano. But Pruitt said he texted Brian Maurer before the game and said, "If we win this game tonight, it will be because of the look that Maurer gave uh, in practice this week when he was part of the scout team." He said that Maurer was phenomenal in practice this week. Why is he not what? at Auburn last night then? If he was phenomenal in practice, and we've seen that Pruitt has said over and over that you know, you the the kids that practice the best are the ones going to get the chances on Saturdays. Maurer had a phenomenal week in practice and he gets left in Knoxville. What's I, I don't I mean, I mean I don't even know what that one that it's, is the most Butch Jones thing that Jeremy Pruitt has ever said. Without a doubt. That that is just really, I, I guess, perplexing is the right word. I, I'm honestly, I, I don't even know what what to say, and it because we've already just talked into the ground that entire QP situation. He has no idea what to do, uh, and and I don't think that he gets the the slack that he would get by just playing somebody else, even if you lose. Like first of all, I mean, I, I don't think. I'm not in there talking to everybody in the AD and Fulmer and anybody, but I don't think they want to fire him. Fulmer's invested. Fulmer hired him. He doesn't want to fire Pruitt. I mean, he might now. I don't know. <laughs> but, but like, I don't think that they're just out to get him. And so, well, that entire thing with the quarterbacks like yes it is counterintuitive kind of how you were saying Joe Rexford was like oh well he thinks it's the best chance to win and he just wants to win games sure but to some extent like Butch looked at what the fans said way too much and he would like respond to articles that reporters wrote and stuff and would like <laughs> Butch used to do stuff like he would read articles we wrote and then he would tell his sports information director to talk to us about what we wrote and it would be like, Butch really liked that. Or Butch Butch was not happy with what you said. Like, I'm glad Pruitt's not doing stuff like that. I think Thank Pruitt's Pruitt. reading it, though. He, yeah, well, it's, maybe. Maybe he is. May, I mean, I don't think he's going that far because that is kind of a crazy thing from Butch. And I think most people know that if you're saying that kind of stuff, it's going to get out. People are going to know that you're doing that. And uh, yeah. perception is everything. But I do think Jeremy Pruitt's reading. I mean, I think anybody in that position. You're making $4 million a year whatever it is, you're a high-profile guy. I, I don't think this charade of I don't care what anybody thinks, it just doesn't hold up, not even for Pruitt. And his brother, like I sent you the uh, screenshot last night, his brother's oh, yeah. responding to me on Twitter. You know, when I'm questioning Jeremy Pruitt, I feel really feel like he is micromanaging the offense at this point because all last week and the week before, 
you hear him talking about we need to be more aggressive play calling. We need to be throwing the ball more. You know, this and that. He's directly talking to Jim Chaney through the media. This week, Tennessee's running the ball at will against Auburn, and they just kind of at random times decide they're going to air it out when running the ball is working. And I definitely feel like that was in response to Pruitt's comments. I tweeted something about that, and Jeremy Pruitt's brother did not take too kindly to that uh, questioning. Yeah, so I, I, I brought up your text here. He said, wasn't it just last week everyone assumed it was the head coach making the offensive coordinator run it every play? and wouldn't let him open it up, which is it? Hey, Luke, how about you tell us? He's your brother. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for real. I know y'all have had this conversation. Yeah. I I know. I like. I talk to my siblings. It's, it's not like he's gone out of your life, I don't think. And they're both you football coaches. I mean, I think Luke Pruitt is a, is a high school coach somewhere in Alabama, so I'm sure they talked a lot of football. Yeah, they're both football guys, and – I, uh, he, he has, his brother's kind of been an interesting, he kind of lurks on, on Twitter like that. I think he message boards too. He's, he's pop. Yeah. I've seen him pop in on some, some Vol Facebook groups or Vol Facebook pages. He's, he's around and I, you know, Jeremy Pruitt isn't his brother. I don't, you know, I know siblings can be very different, but I'm just saying if Luke Pruitt is doing this, maybe Jeremy's doing it too. And it's, dude, this is the same exact stuff that happened at the end with Butch where you had. <laughs> yes, that's what like, I said. <laughs> dude, you, you know what it reminds, I mean, it's a little, it's definitely different from this particular situation, but it, it reminds me of, you remember when Jalen Hurd was leaving Tennessee, there was a guy on, I don't know if it was like the VolQuest boards or something, the message boards, who was saying, I'm Jalen's uncle, I think, right? He's like, I'm Jalen's uncle. And. I, this and this and this, he was given all this insider information and it turns, at least it seemed like, I don't know if there was ever actual official uh, confirmation, but this dude would say stuff and it would all just be true. Eventually, like it would come out like, oh, he was exactly right. This guy is actually Jalen Hurd's uncle or something. It rem it reminds me of that situation so much. I mean, you got the guy's brother out here <laughs> tweeting at us. Us, like, I mean, come on. It's, <laughs> you know, to add it's ridiculous, to this kind of is doubling back to what we were talking about a minute ago because I wanted to throw it in there because it was an interesting, cons I guess you call it conspiracy that I heard. And we we're talking about maybe Pruitt wants out at Tennessee. I mean, I've seen that floating around a lot. And I think Brent Hubbs from VolQuest reported a few weeks ago that Pruitt has said before, if it doesn't work out, he'll just go back to Alabama, right? Like he knows he yep. has a home there. Well, the, the new – thing I saw I think I saw it yesterday or last night maybe is that now he feels like he's in a race to beat Will Muschamp back to to Nick Saban's staff where Muschamp's oh. already been fired and it's like if Pruitt hangs on doesn't get fired until after next season Muschamp's the defensive coordinator at Alabama where does Pruitt go then wow. and it's like that's I'm it's not uh, theory, yeah but that's it's I interesting mean, yeah I mean Pruitt these guys know, these football coaches know, Butch knew, Butch knew in 2016. I mean, he was looking for a way out then. He knew what was, what the future held, and Pruitt knows. Like, I'm sure there's a part of them that always feels they can turn it around, but deep down they know when things are going bad. They've seen it go bad for their friends at other programs. They know. And he, he's he got to be having an eye towards the future. He's going to get paid from Tennessee. I mean, every 
everybody does. But he also wants to have a job in football after this, and he probably doesn't want to end up at, at Kentucky or something. He wants to be back in Alabama. I will say this at least. Pruitt's buyout, I think it's the, the talk has been somewhere around 15-ish million dollars, plus his staff would also be a part of that. But um, if he did go back and immediately was the D.C., at Alabama, first of all, they'd—I ha- mean—they'd have to pay up. He was a really good DC. He won him a national title. He won—he's won a national title as a DC at multiple schools. I mean, he's—he's yeah, he's gonna make over of, a million. Yeah, he would somewhere. be kind of the cream of the crop as far as DC goes, and uh, that would offset a decent chunk of what Tennessee has to pay for it. So that's yeah, they would actually mitigate something. some of his salary, unlike Butch Jones, yeah. who they were able to mitigate maybe ninety thousand of it over the last three years. Ugh. Don't even get me started about Butch scamming Tennessee out of all this money by being Saban's coffee boy. And Butch is but, off the books in February of this. Yeah, it's very up. soon. Yeah, I thankfully. can't wait to see him immediately become a wide receivers coach somewhere. <laughs> surprised, I'm surprised he didn't take because his image, specifically with the way that he treated players, it took a real, real beating. I'm surprised he didn't hop to the NFL like Dooley did. I, mm. I probably thought that's the direction he was going to go and just yeah, he could, go, he could, he could probably go be a special teams coach in the NFL because that's the one thing under Butch that was always pretty good at Tennessee with special teams yeah it, that's true and he that's what he always showed us at practice Butch uh, he <laughs> yeah liked, that's true we, we would drive 20 minutes to, to downtown and then he would go here's a here's a kickoff drill congratulations mm-hmm. go report on that uh but, but uh it's man it's just sad come on like the bottom line is Pruitt, Pruitt is doing all the stuff that is just indicative of a guy who's getting backed into a corner, and that's kind of the bottom line of all of this. It sucks. It's kind it of something sucks. I asked on Twitter last night, and most responses were kind of how I feel. But once it gets to this point with the coach, once the speculation begins, have you ever seen it not – like, have you ever seen it get turned around? And I know people yeah. keep bringing up Dabo Sweeney, but that's not – that's not anywhere close to the same. First off, Clemson in 2009, 2010 was not Clemson now. The perception of them was not the same. They were a decent program that, you know, sometimes played well. They weren't a national championship contender. It, it just wasn't anywhere close to the same. And his worst year was six and seven, I think. And he took over a weird situation. He was a position coach. It was a I don't know. It's an anomaly. I don't. I don't really think you can compare Pruitt or, or most situations to that. But I can't really think of any other situation where it's actually turned around. I mean, maybe Ed Ogeron, but that was his second season. They lost to Troy, and then they went right back out and beat Florida. I think the next week. So that kind of kind of quieted that noise. Yeah. I mean, once it gets to this point, it's usually done. It's just a matter of time. That's that's why I. I am essentially out and and I don't everybody thinks that I'm a doom and gloomer. I have, I have cultivated that reputation for myself over my years on radio and everything. I 100% I'm fully self-aware of how I am perceived among Tennessee fans. I know. Okay. You don't got to tell me. Uh, <laughs> they still will. <laughs> they will. Oh, they definitely will. And they do. Uh, but it, like, I don't, I don't want to, I want to act like I do with Rick Barnes. Like, look, I was disappointed with Barnes last season, uh, and I didn't love the way that he handled the UCLA situation. But on the whole, 
I love everything that Rick Barnes stands for and what he's done for that program. And it brings me joy to just be able to report on him winning games instead of this kind of stuff. That's all I want to talk about is folks winning games. It doesn't bring me joy to have to talk about a, a coaching search again and a total reset. But I really do think that a that firing Pruitt and a coaching search is what would be best for this program. Exactly like you are saying, Zach, it's over. It doesn't come back from this precipice. And yeah, people can say, oh, well, he won eight games last year. Well, Butch won nine games two years in a row. Mark, Georgia fired Mark Richt after he won 10 games. Okay, that's not indicative of anything. Now, look at Florida and, and Jim McElwain. He had won nine games, yeah, he 10 won games the back to back. Twice. Yeah, and it wasn't good enough, and now they're better off. Exactly. He won the SECs twice. They canned him, and now they're even better. It's over. And I don't want it to be, but it's it's done. And that just is what it is. I Like, sure, I would happily, happily, happily be proven wrong, and you can go back and you can play this podcast and be like, look at Burris, he's an idiot, this douche. And okay, I will, I will gladly, I'll pull out the clip myself if in two years Jeremy Pruitt turns it around and I'll go, look at this dummy. But that's not gonna happen. And I hate it. It pisses me off because like we were already talking about, the, the athletic department has shown nothing but incompetence when it comes to not just football hires, almost any hire. Uh, although on some of these ancillary sports, it seems like they, they've upped that a little bit and, and Phil's done a decent job with those. But I, I mean, it just sucks. It's truly, truly sucks. I'm and with you. I take no joy in this either. I mean, no. like I said earlier, it is exhausting. It is tiring there is no new hope with this um if they do fire Pruitt we're not even going to get to enjoy some good John Gruden rumors and that's one of the only things that makes it fun yeah the Raiders are good dang it yeah he's not even going to be an option we don't even get to do that again so it's nobody wants this I mean I'm sure there's some out there that that enjoy it but no I mean I I felt like maybe last night this would be kind of like what we saw last year. They've had an extra week off. Tennessee comes out, plays well against Auburn. They surprise everybody, finish the year off strong, maybe knock off like Texas A&M, and, and, and everybody's back in on Pruitt after that because how could you not be? You beat a top-10 team. No, that's not happening. After I mean, I knew by halftime last night or – when Tennessee was even up last night, I knew where it was going. You could just tell by the body language of the players, the way that they Tennessee was approaching the game. We all knew they weren't going to win. And it's, like you pointed out stats earlier, Tennessee outgained them on, on offense and they still find a way to lose. This team doesn't know how to win. They have no clue. And that's a, that's a culture problem. And yep. I thought Jeremy oh. Pruitt coming into the season to fix the culture, but it's clear he hasn't. And I thought this was an amazing point by by a good friend of mine. Shout out to Doug. Last night, and I tweeted about this. To your point there, my my friend, he texted, and he said, uh, when specifically when, uh, who who was it that, that went, he flopped. Oh, Tyler uh, Barron. Yeah, it was Tyler Barron. Yeah, I, I couldn't think. So Auburn's really moving the ball, and Tennessee has 12 men on the field. 
uh, because they're just unprepared. They're discombobulated. And Tyler Barron goes down and acts like he's injured. He wasn't really injured. It was a bruise to stop <laughs> to stop Auburn's progress, essentially, and not get a penalty. Uh, and, and he texted me and he said, uh, Tennessee is more prepared to have 12 men on the field than they are to run a two-minute offense before halftime. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's, that's everything in a nutshell right there. Mm-hmm. They are more prepared to fail than they are to succeed. That's absolutely true. They are. And, I mean, it, it really, I was like, that just perfectly encapsulates this whole situation. Yep. They are and, more prepared to have 12 men on the field than they are to run a competent two-minute offense. And when you think about that in year three, how can you have any hope that Jeremy Pruitt is going to turn this program around? Because those are things that should have been fixed in year one. By the end of year one, those things shouldn't have been issues. And they were still issues in year two. They started out the season terrible last year. I Somehow they found a way to, to win some games there towards the end of the year. They didn't beat anybody that good. I mean, their whole eight-game winning streak was against, I mean, maybe Mississippi State. Turns out Indiana might have been the best win of the year. Yeah, Indiana <laughs> might have been, really. Crazy. And even that game, they should not have won the way that no, they played. Yeah. I mean, they took a miracle onside kick to win that game. Yep. I mean, it's kind of the same thing that we saw. I hate to keep bringing it up. But it's the same thing we saw with Butch Jones and, and that, what was it? At one point, they had the best, like, six-game record in the country or something like that. The Butch kept pointing out, like, nobody has a better record than Tennessee in their last six games or something. I mean, it's very similar to that. And and in that stretch, of when they did that under, the, under Butch, they didn't beat anybody good either during that stretch, really. So, I don't know. It's not going to get turned around. The the team, like your friend pointed out, they're more prepared to fail than they are to succeed, and that's incredibly evident by watching them those last couple of weeks. Well, let's just uh, we'll we'll finish with this, and then a little bit of basketball talk because basketball is right around the corner. That is something that actually makes me happy. I already mentioned it. So the the whole this whole thing with football just stinks. But I asked podcast question: six hundred and fifty two votes so far. Tennessee has now lost five straight by double digits. What will be their final record on the season? 50% of people said two and eight. 50% of people. 44% said three and seven. 4% said four and six. 2% five and five. I mean, five. Come on, five and five. Come on. Who was that? Um, was that Luke Pruitt voting? <laughs> exactly. He was He was the one guy. Um, and I, I, I bring this up to say, and thanks to everybody that voted and, and who responded to the tweet um i saw personally this is totally anecdotal but i saw a real shift in fans last night because i think a lot of people were feeling like you were feeling maybe you go to the plains you beat auburn they have a weird little stretch at the end here where maybe you give florida a run for their money even if you don't beat them you beat vandy you beat auburn maybe you give a&m a shot and then we feel we feel not good going into the offseason, but you can at least justify keeping Pruitt. Um, but I saw a real turn last night because I <laughs> I can tell you, I, I have, as I've already said, I've been real negative on all of this. It's just kind of who I am as a sports fan. If you follow me, you definitely know that. And I've been losing followers all season because of that. Like, I'll just tweet whatever I tweet, and I get a lot of kind of feedback where people are like, oh, come on, man, stop this. Stop it. You're... You're better than this. I'm not. I'm just a doom and gloomer. 
well, we've already said, but I got a lot of feedback like that. But last night, there was none of that. And I gained followers <laughs> from my negative tweets. A whole set of them. Like things, people were like, oh, yeah, this is over, isn't it? I think it really shut the door for a lot of people. And like I said, completely anecdotal. But 50% of people on 652 votes said 2 and 8. 50% think you're going to lose to Vandy. It's not good. And, I mean, I that it just, it is what it is. Here we are. As much as it sucks, this is it. So, yay. That's a great conversation. <laughs> I mean, again, just imagine... Oh, you know, just imagine the conversation if they do get to two and eight. I mean, there are a few if you go involve Facebook pages that are kind of hanging on to Pruitt. You got to give him more time. No. You got to give him more time. And I kind of get their mindset. They don't want to go through another coaching search. They want Pruitt to be the guy. Look, everybody wanted Pruitt to be the guy. Everybody wanted him to work out. But at some point, you just have to cut your losses and say, well, this just ain't going to work. And, and hanging on is not really helping the situation at all. If it gets to two and eight, do those people still exist at all? I mean, I just don't see how. I don't. I don't know how you could justify it at, at all. And I know I was um, having an exchange earlier this week with with Brian Rice over at the big station. Uh, I believe folks refer to it as State Run Radio. I like Brian; he's a friend of mine. <laughs> but um, I, I honestly can't think of the name. Ninety nine one, whatever. Yeah. Um. And he was saying, I mean, he is completely in the belief. And let me just say, he he has good good connections. He worked for years in the Tennessee Athletic Department. I mean, he was uh, he was sort of there. Uh, he, he wrote stories for Tennessee. Um, and uh, he was essentially saying, like, there is no chance they fire Pruitt this year. There is no chance. Like, he was really adamant. And I, look. Like I said, Brian, well-connected. He knows what he's talking about. He's a competent guy. I like him a lot. How? How? If you go 2-8, and eight, how? If you go 3-7, and seven, how? You go 2-8 and eight and lose to Vanderbilt and Kentucky in year three. I don't care if it's a pandemic or not. I mean, that yeah, excuse don't... cannot be used because everybody's dealing no. with it. Every single team. in yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee hasn't really had the issues that several of these other programs have had, to be honest. I mean, it hasn't been that bad. For Tennessee, they've actually done pretty well. Uh, Tennessee as a school has has lost a significant am- amount of money just from lost ticket sales and tuition and some different things. But yeah, no, seriously, on on the whole, like out of out of schools that have handled it, everybody's handling it. Tennessee is on kind of that that upper end. They've gotten luckier. You're definitely right, as much as you can in, in this situation. Yeah. And South, so Will Muschamp's buyout is pretty similar. I believe it's thirteen million bucks. Uh, at South Carolina, South Carolina handled it. Okay, South Carolina handled it. Tennessee has more resources, more donors, more money, more everything than South Carolina. Don't they'll make the finances work if they want to make the finances work? I'll oh, just put it yeah, that way. It always does. But anywho, so there's that. Let's finish. Tennessee basketball starts this week, and frankly, for as bad as football has been, I could not be more excited. For Tennessee basketball, I believe their their first game is this coming Thursday against Charlotte uh, in 
Am I making that? I'm trying. Dang it! I, I should felt like it was Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday, maybe. Um, but they uh, they open the season, and I think in front of was it around four thousand fans? Nonetheless, it was um, Wednesday at eight o'clock. Wednesday, okay, so it's Wednesday, and it is it's Charlotte, and so I uh, they're the number twelve team in America. You have. Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, John Fulkerson coming back, Eve Pons. You, you got uh, you got the uh, the flying Uruguayan. Uh, it's running point. I man, I'm hyped for Tennessee basketball. I love basketball in general. It, it's honestly it's my favorite sport. It's what I grew up playing, and I just oh man, I I love the fact that they're really shaping up to be good. Now if they, if they don't have a good season, I'll be honest, I'm gonna be crushed. Uh, but I do think. They'll they'll be hard pressed to have a, a bad season, I think. Yeah, I'm, never, I'm excited. Never speak too soon with Tennessee, but no, this should be not. a really good team. But I'm excited just because I felt like we got robbed of seeing what what Tennessee could could kind of do there at the end of the last season and and the progression that you know they didn't put it all together and we kind of felt like it was all building for this season. Everything that happened last season was, was building for this season. They're kind of learning how to play together last year. And yeah, I'm excited to watch Viscovi take a step forward. I mean, he's going to be fun to, he was fun to watch last year. I can't wait to watch him with, with some experience under his belt and, and see what he does. He's, he's that kind of guy that could really become a household name. I feel like he has that kind of potential and that just kind of yeah. fun to watch. I, I, I don't know. It, it's exciting. Number twelve. I mean, they they could be top ten talent. And, and just you, I mean, hope hope we get through the season and yeah, and and don't miss out on a potentially special season from Tennessee. That's obviously a factor. I don't want to speak it into existence. The season's happening. Let's go. Uh, I mean, you got you got an awesome matchup against Gonzaga mm-hmm. coming up on December second. You're gonna have the chance to beat the number one team in America. You got to play Cincinnati at home. And then you got your your SEC schedule that, in general, I think shapes up pretty well. You don't really have a stretch that's just going to be crushing. Um, I mean, the the final stretch is UK Vandy at Auburn. To to finish with UK and Van or UK and Auburn in your last four games, not ideal, but just in general, I think it it shapes up pretty well for Tennessee to have a sort of nice balanced schedule where they're not just going to have a stretch where they just get driven into the ground by really tough games. And so I, I think the season is shaping up to be something special. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself and get too hyped on it uh, because they do have to, to make that happen. They certainly have to take a big step forward from last year, uh, but they have all the pieces to do that. I'll just say that they have every single piece to take a big step forward. They have every single piece to be one of the most well-rounded deep teams in America. That just is what it is. And to, to be able to come off of that depressing conversation about football and be able to say that about basketball. Thank you, Rick Barnes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's much appreciated right now. And let's just, let's go out and win. That's that's what I have to say about basketball. I have no idea. I can't give you like a preview of the Charlotte game. Charlotte, they're a team. They're a basketball team. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> do, they do. They have, they have players. <laughs> yes, they, they will show up here with a roster of players. <laughs> Uh, hopefully <laughs> yeah but i at least man, it's I, nice to have some confidence in a coach where it's like you know yeah you kind of know what to expect you know what barnes can do with talent there is no you don't have to hope 
I mean, you hope everything breaks right and, and that Tennessee gels and plays well together, but otherwise there's plenty of reason to have confidence and optimism, and that's, that's nice. And see, it, it, it's an amazing feeling. Just comparing basketball to football. You know, this past offseason with football, we went, well, Jared has to take a big step forward for this team to be good. It's still true to this very day, and he didn't do it. And I think that whole offseason, we were very trepidatious. We are you know, very much like, we'll see. Not totally sure. Pruitt hasn't really shown that that's something that he can do. And, and clearly, player development is a problem. But with Barnes, his biggest hallmark at Tennessee has been player development. I mean, he's turned three-star players into NFL, NFL, into NBA picks. I mean, he, he has this knack for taking guys and making them great. And yeah, I mean, a guy like Santiago Vescovi, oh my gosh, some of the plays that he was making last year when he was just out of the blue, dropped into college basketball, was just ridiculous. And I can't imagine how much better it's probably going to get. Eve Pons, physical total freak. If he continues to get better, it's all there for him. John Fulkerson, I mean, we, we all know the Kingston killer. Uh, I can't wait to see what, what he brings this season because he was already bringing it last year. Um, I... It, it's so, so nice to be able to look and be like, you know, literally the benchmark of Barnes at Tennessee has been his player development and everything about this squad is is kind of hinging on player development. And so it's all there for him. They just got to go out and take it. And I'm I'm hyped that there is a good major sport at Tennessee uh, and we can watch it this week. It's coming right up there. We'll end on a positive note. Yes, finally. <laughs> it is about time. Yes. That we were able to do that. I'm Charlie Burris, your personal Tennessee doom and gloomer. When you want negative takes, come here, baby. That's, I'm just, I, you know, I got to lean in. It's who I am. Uh, at yeah. This point. Embrace it. <laughs> That's Zach Reagan at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach DNT at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for what Zach writes and the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Go subscribe. You can get your Titans podcast, your Predators podcast, your is that everything? Oh, well, and you got uh, you got Buck Rising's podcast who is a great great dude has really interesting interviews. So go over there, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Zach, any parting thoughts before we go? I uh, I'm just like you. I'm ready for basketball, and I can't wait for Wednesday night. And we could just talk about basketball all next week. This yeah, is now a basketball podcast. With it, yes, <laughs> we are now. Big Orange Basketball Podcast. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all next week. See you guys later.